0: Hello, my name is Amy Moran from the Oxfam policy and practice team, and welcome to the Oxfam podcast. This week, Oxfam released its latest report ahead of the World Economic Forum, revealing the scale of inequality today. It calls on governments and businesses to fundamentally shift their policies to create a more equal society. But does the public understand the scale of inequality? Do they actually care about it? And what do they actually want to see done about it? Well, a lot of the research in the report came from a major project conducted for Oxfam in cooperation with Christopher Horry from the Australian National University. This research surveyed over 70,000 respondents from 10 countries where they attempted to understand if information about inequality and social mobility can change preferences for redistribution. In this podcast, we're going to delve in the data of perceptions of inequality, and really get to grips with some of this research which was used for the report. So with me, I have Christopher Hoy from Australia National University, and Francisca Major from Oxfam GB, both were the researchers behind the project. And we also have Deepak Xavier, the head of the Even It Up campaign for Oxfam, who, along with myself, are here to put these findings into a more public interest perspective. So let's let's go straight into it. I'm going to start with Chris. Um, Chris, according to the, the findings and what, um, and what you found, do you think they actually understand the scale of inequality?
1: So this research project consisted of over 70,000 people in 10 countries. And what we saw across all countries was a very common trend, whereby the majority of people tend to underestimate the level of inequality in their country. And more than that, people tend to always think that they're around the middle of the income distribution. Whether they're rich or whether they're poor, people tend to always think they're in the middle. And this we term as a median bias. So I think we're safe to say that people truly underestimate the scale of inequality that does exist in their countries.
0: Okay, so Francisco, do you have anything to add to that? Did you find anything particularly interesting in the findings from from that perspective?
2: from that first point um yeah. so i think it's it's worth highlighting that um there's not one way to ask people about what they think the scale of inequality is like um so if you think about the survey that we were using um you have to represent that sort of that pie somehow we we played around a lot with the best way to showcase how how income can be divided between different groups right but i think it's It's really important to remember that there is not one way of doing it and we're giving it our best shot and what we ended up doing is actually showing people different pie charts um, whereby different groups of different quintiles, so that's groups of 20% of people, um, hold different amounts of uh, the total available income in a given country. Another way of asking people about inequality would be about wage ratios, which we also included later down in the survey. So what people think CEOs earn and normal people earn, normal workers earn, um, and then what they think it should actually be. So just to highlight that, you know, inequality is kind of a short, catchy word, but what people associated with it and how you ask them to sort of operationalize it, how it looks like in their head is quite challenging.
3: Thanks a lot, Chris. And, um, Francesca, uh, it's not entirely surprising to me that people underestimate the level of, levels of inequality that we live in today. But I'm also trying to understand a bit more uh, because, as we know, inequality is multidimensional. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about one dimension of inequality, which is income, uh, it, it has come up in multiple other surveys when you talk about income, especially in the developing part, developing part of the world, people don't necessarily give you the right answer. What what level of incomes, in which scale they stand with regards to their income. So, uh, do you think it's because also inequality is multidimensional? People try to, uh, people often underestimate the level of inequality that we are witnessing today. So,
1: I think that the underestimate of inequality could be partly driven by the fact that people don't only think about inequality in terms of income. But in terms of income alone, people do underestimate and uh, the evidence seems to suggest it has to do with the fact that people don't truly fathom the order of magnitude to which uh, the wealth in their country is captured by the very richest. So Uh, While people might think of inequality in a more multifaceted sense, and I think a lot more work needs to be done in trying to understand that, just thinking about inequality alone in terms of income, there would be evidence to suggest that uh, people are underestimating that particular aspect.
0: And did you find any disparities or differences between the different regions in that respect?
2: Um, Of course, there's differences between um, to what extent people underestimate or correctly estimate um, what approximates the level of inequality in their country. There there are differences. But if anything, I think the trend across these all these very different countries is relatively consistent in that a majority of people underestimate the extent of income inequality. A smaller share of people gets it more or less right and an usually even smaller share of people um, overestimates it.
3: Do you think the reason generally people underestimate about income inequality is they don't have enough uh, data or awareness about the issue and they don't have the data easily available them, So would it make uh, sense for organizations like Oxfam to spend more time and energy of its campaign to spreading that awareness? Uh, would that make sense?
2: I think that's the million-dollar question. <laughs> that's certainly the grand ambition of why we're trying to see if information actually has an effect on people's preferences and attitudes towards inequality.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll come more to that later in terms of does the information actually have an impact on their perceptions but so we've been talking about their um, understanding of inequality, but if they don't understand the scale of it, do they care about it?
2: That's a really great question so what we what we've seen is that in most cases people have a sense of inequality but it's maybe not exactly accurate in terms of what's actually happening in their country. We asked a bunch of questions about concern level. So whatever your understanding of inequality is, are you concerned by it? Is it something that you think is a problem? And we see that despite this understanding it doesn't perfectly reflect reality, people across all of these countries are actually quite concerned by income inequalities. So we get very, very high levels of agreement um, with uh, questions asking respondents um, whether they think inequality is a problem.
1: Yeah, so a specific example was we asked people whether they thought the gap between the rich and poor in their society was too large. And uh, what we found was that on average across countries, over three quarters of people thought that it it was too large. So they either agreed or strongly agreed with that statement. But in some countries, it was much higher. In the case of Nigeria, nine out of ten people agreed that the gap between the rich and poor in their country is too large.
0: Deepak, that must be quite reassuring for your campaigning work.
3: (laughs) Exactly. I was so tempted to come in. This is very interesting to me because, uh, on the one side, we have generally people underestimating uh, the levels of inequality uh, we live in today, but at the same time, they care a lot about inequality that they are facing. The way I look at uh, populist movements across the world, whether it is starting from the US or Philippines, anywhere, um, people are generally agitated and angry about growing inequality. It's being the driving force behind a lot of populist movements that we have seen uh, in the past few years in the world. Uh, At the same time, they care a lot about inequality. Where do we then uh, enter in into this conversation and how do we then start mobilising people? Like, you know, what should be our entry point?
1: So I guess what I would highlight is that, so we see this pattern whereby people on average underestimate inequality and then we see that people tend to be very concerned about inequality. So they're concerned about their their underestimate of what inequality actually is. So that raises the obvious question, which is, if they actually knew just how bad inequality was in their country, surely they would be even more concerned. That can answer your question, I feel, in terms of... So people don't appreciate the scale, but even underestimating how bad things are, they do care about it a lot.
0: So let's... Um, I think naturally we're going that way. So let's let's go that way. Let's talk about... Let's talk about that. What did you find from the study in terms of did you find information has impact on these perceptions? If you tell them more, do they care more?
1: Yep. So what we actually see is that it's a far more nuanced story than what we would have necessarily expected. So yes, information about inequality can increase people's support for uh, inequality to be addressed. Uh, particularly addressed by the government. But this isn't always the case. So I'll give you an example whereby we did actually see information having a positive effect. And that is in the case of the United Kingdom, South Africa and Denmark, when people were told just how unequal their country was, they became 10 to 20% more supportive of urgent action by the government. But as I said, it's not always that simple across some of the countries. Depending on the type of information that people are provided, it can affect their level of support for government action to address inequality. So it's actually quite a complicated story. And we see that in the United States, a very unexpected pattern whereby information about inequality actually reduced the level of desire for government action. So we're not in a situation whereby it's quite as straightforward as we would have liked or would have expected to see. Uh, In general, we do see this pattern whereby uh, when information has an effect, uh, information tends to boost support for the government to be doing more on inequality. But even that is far too a simpler story, because what we do see in high-income countries in particular is that the people who information has an effect on is actually people who aren't aligned with the major parties in their country. So to be specific, in the case of the UK, information affects the views and makes them more supportive of redistribution by the government if they are non-conservative party and non-labor party voters whereas conservative and labor party voters information has no effect
0: that's very interesting did you experiment as well with the types of information you gave people
2: Yeah, so one of the novelties of what we did in this study, there have previously been other studies experimenting with giving people information um, and seeing if that shifts their attitudes. But what we were able to do in this research is to test the different impact that two different types of information on inequality have on the same respondents. So we were able to test both what information on the wealth concentration of the, uh, the richest people and the low degree of social mobility in a given country has. So that was one type of information intervention. And the other one was um, to locate people's own place in the income distribution so because we asked them about their income and their household size we're able to calculate where more or less they sit in the income distribution so we can show them where they are in this distribution and that's the second type of information on inequality that we were able to test on people which is great
0: and Deepak do you find everything that they're saying here in the findings do do, do you find that translate in the work that you do on a practical level Absolutely, yes.
3: Um, this has this has partly also been a challenge for us because uh, one is presenting data and information as they come. The second is how you how what kind of you know, emotional connect that data or information that we are sharing has on people. So the emotional connect is what is very important for us as uh, as a campaigning organization because you want to emotionally connect with people and mobilize them to challenge. Uh, the policies or want to actually like and you know, them be the change makers to drive policy change. People generally tend to uh, react differently if they have more information about a particular issue. At the same time, we have done that quite well as a campaign. But where I find we still have a lot of work to do is how do we find the emotional connect, the data uh, between the data and the person who's actually receiving that.
0: We have all this information now from the study, and it sounds like there still needs to be more done there, but there's quite a substantial amount to play with, as it were. Obviously, it's been used for the report this week from Oxfam. What else can we do with this information? You know, how could campaigners use it? What are your views on that, Francisco?
2: So I think there is a lot that we can do with the data at the national level. So picking out um, what matters for a specific country office at the national level um, and see how we can work together to really unpack some of the nuance of what we see in the data with those national level campaigners.
0: Yeah, interesting. That makes sense. Uh, Chris? Yeah, so
1: there's a lot. In this survey, and one thing we have not spoken about so far, which I just wanted to highlight, uh, there is a really key question that we ask in this survey, which is, which of the following policies is the most important for the government of country X? We ask the same question in each, to all of the 10 countries. For the government of country X to reduce income inequality. So we provided people with eight options and we were able to observe what do people want the government to do. So first of all, we capture what people uh, believe the level of inequality to be, then the extent they care about it, and then we sort of cut to the chase and say, and what do you want the government to do about it? And what we see in nine out of ten of the countries, the fact that one of the most popular options is for the government to provide free and high-quality health and medical care to all people. This is the number one policy that emerges. So in terms of campaigning and providing governments in these countries with a direction as to what exactly people want done, this survey really gets at that. The second most popular option across countries was raising the minimum wage. And this was only a popular answer in five out of the ten countries.
0: Deepak, are you finding that in the campaigning work that you're doing? Uh, it, it sounds um,
3: like uh, music to my ears to uh, hear those two answers, especially because raising the minimum wage is one of the key asks that we have put in this year's uh, report that we just talked about. And moving forward as a global campaign, we would like to focus more on increased public spending for health and education so that people have quality access to health care and education. We do seem to understand what the public want us to be campaigning on with them. Slightly deviating from this, I'm also curious to understand is when you asked about what action sh- should be taken? Did people think it's only the government's role? Or like, you know, did they see any role for themselves or even the private sector?
2: What we asked about in our survey was limited to government in- intervention, government action to reduce inequality. So we did not ask about other sector- sectors like the private sector, but we decided to focus on multiple questions that incorporated the government to get a consistent picture of how people feel about um, that in particular. However, um, in one of the countries, the US, if I remember correctly, um, we did include options on the question about what's the best policy to reduce the gap between the rich and poor that did mention the private sector. So one of the options was to cut regulation and, you know, lower taxes for large companies and businesses. Is that an effective policy to reduce inequality? Um, and those those options actually got very, very low agreement rates. Um, so there again, we see um, free health and education come out on top as well as minimum wage.
0: Yeah, interesting. And this goes back to the point where Francisca said this data will probably be most beneficial on the national level because there must be a lot of differences between the regions and the exactly. countries there on how people are perceiving inequality and what can be done with it based on their culture, their governments, and, and, and um, their society. Well, I'm sure our listeners will agree that so far this has been fascinating and we could talk for hours about the findings from this research. Um, we're going to have to end it there, I'm afraid. Thank you to Chris, Francisca, and Deepak for making the time to speak to me today. For those who want to delve into the data, there is a link available to the working paper that Francisca and Chris have developed on this webpage, and of course, there's also a link to the Oxfam report released this week. Thank you for listening.